So the music producer looks at the young artist and says, You know, I bet we could make you a star. I just need you to sit on this couch here and start writing. We're gonna, we're gonna make you so big. And then the uh, young, doughy-eyed, would-be rock star looks at him and goes, Can I do some covers first? I'm feeling a little uncreative. And the producer says, Yeah, okay, but it's gotta be kind of similar to what you're talking about in uh, the music that you were gonna write. Yeah. I'm gonna be right here by the plants watching you. And that's kind of the situation we're reading from today. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, there is a collection of psalms. Now, yes, you may be thinking to yourself, didn't we just go through three episodes, four episodes of the hymnic fragments in the Thanksgiving hymns? And you might be a little upset. I understand that. However, here is where we are going to get into the notion that the Dead Sea Scrolls are this magic repository of scripture that verifies literally everything we Christians believe. The idea being that the Qumran community were such faithful believers, such powerful people, they knew exactly what they were doing and they knew their Bibles, darn it, and therefore they collected everything so perfectly, well, no they didn't. Insofar as it touches the Psalms, they also liked to collect Apocrypha. And not only did they collect Apocrypha, they used Apocrypha like a cover band in order to write their own non-canonical songs. Yes, we're going to be going over that today to see, well, should these guys really be trusted with my Bible? Should these guys really be considered the authority on whether the Bible is authoritative? Maybe in a few documents, but I'm not about to put my stamp of approval on all the stuff they put their stamp of approval on. Let's go ahead and read the Apocryphal Psalms, which again, these guys did not write. They come from Apocryphal sources that are known to the church, but not accepted by us filthy Protestants. Here is Psalm 151a, which is a Greek tradition psalm. <clears throat> Hallelujah of David, son of Jesse. I was smaller than my brothers and younger than the sons of my father. He made me shepherd of his flock and a ruler over his kids. My hands have made a pipe and my fingers a lyre. I have rendered glory to the Lord. I have said so in my soul. The mountains do not testify to him and the hills do not tell of him. The trees praise my words and the flocks my deeds. For who can tell and speak of and recount the works of the Lord? God has seen all, he has heard all, and he listens to all. He sent his prophet to anoint me, Samuel to magnify me. My brothers went out to meet him, beautiful of figure, beautiful of appearance. They were tall of stature, with beautiful hair, yet the Lord did not choose them. He sent and took me from behind the rock, and anointed me with holy oil, as a prince of his people, and a ruler among the sons of his covenant. So, okay, this is apocryphal. Chances are... David didn't write it. It lacks the style that David wrote in, which was Hebrew parallelism and chiasm. And also, this is the King David that said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and here he is saying, the mountains do not testify to him, the hills do not tell of him. Okay, look, David didn't write this. I don't care who you are. It's a pretty enough psalm. It's devotional, I guess, but it's not scripture. But keep in mind that the Qumran community accepted this as a canonical psalm. They collected it with their Bible works 
because, well, probably it emphasizes the sovereignty of God while also pointing to the Davidic throne. They looked at the themes they wanted to see and said, well, we're not really going to worry about whether this contradicts anything else that David said. We're going we're gonna to really say this is about David, and that's super important to us. But I digress. Let's go on to Psalm 151b. The first display of David's power after God's prophet had anointed him. Then I saw the Philistine taunting from the enemy lines, dot, dot, dot. Okay, well, chances are they started to include this one. It's fragmentary, but they want to continue with a Davidic theme. Remember, the Qumran community believed in a dual Messiah theory, a uh, Messiah ben Levi and a Messiah ben Judah. They understood, well, themselves really to be the collective Messiah ben Levi. They thought some teacher of righteousness was going to come from there. And they were still looking for a Messiah ben Judah because they were unable to see at the time that Jesus is the one true Messiah. He is the Christ. There is no need for two Messiahs. There is only one. Continuing on though, Syriac Psalm 2 or Psalm 154 in some Psalters. Glorify God with a great voice. Proclaim his majesty in the congregation of the many. Glorify his name amid the multitude of the upright and recount his greatness with the faithful. Join your souls to the good and to the perfect to glorify the Most High. Assemble together to make known his salvation, and be not slow in making known his strength and his majesty to all the simple. For wisdom is given to make known the glory of the Lord and to recount the greatness of his deeds. She is made known to man to declare his strength to the simple and to give insight into his greatness to those without understanding. Okay, real quick. If you're wondering, what on earth are they talking about this she here? Verse 5 says, Wisdom is given to make known the glory of the Lord. So, this psalm is making the same comparison that King Solomon does in the book of Proverbs, personifying wisdom as someone who is made known to man to kind of be a town crier for God, to help people learn to do good and avoid evil. So we'll go ahead and restart from verse 5 and keep reading. For wisdom is given to make known the glory of the Lord and to recount the greatness of his deeds. She is made known to man to declare his strength to the simple and to give insight into his greatness to those without understanding. They who are far from her gates who have strayed from her entrances. For the Most High is the Lord of Jacob and his majesty is over all his works. And a man who glorifies the Most High is accepted by him as one bringing an offering, as one offering he goats and calves, as one causing the altar to grow fat on a multitude of burnt offerings, as an agreeable incense by the hand of the righteous. From the doors of the righteous her voice is heard, and from the congregation of the devout her song. When they eat their fill she is mentioned, and when they drink in community together. Their meditation is on the law of the Most High, and their words are for making known his strength. How far from the wicked is her word, and her knowledge from the insolent? Behold, the eyes of the Lord have compassion on the good, and his mercy is great over those who glorify him. From an evil time he saves their souls. Bless the Lord who redeems the humble from the hand of strangers, and delivers the perfect from the hand of the wicked. Who lifts up a horn out of Jacob, and a judge out of Israel. He desires his tabernacle in Zion, and chooses Jerusalem forever." So we might read this 
and understand pretty simply why most Christians would not accept this as part of their Bible, why it would be considered apocryphal. Again, the structure just isn't there. It really isn't. When you look at verse 5 here and it says, For wisdom is given to make known the glory of the Lord and to recount the greatness of his deeds. She is made known to man, comma, that does not have the parallelism that matches every single psalm in the book of Psalms. This is an attempt at wisdom literature with a hymnic bent to it, and therefore doesn't really match the psalms of Holy Scripture. But in addition to this, and we're rejecting it for the same reasons that the Qumran community would accept it, we read things like... Um, Behold, the eyes of the Lord have compassion on the good, and his mercy is great over those who glorify him. From an evil time he saves their souls. Maybe that's true, but we also have to consider here that we're not good. So when, it, when he keeps going, Bless the Lord who redeems the humble from the hand of strangers and delivers the perfect from the hand of the wicked, we need to understand either that only applies to Jesus which I'm pretty sure this psalmist here does not understand, or he's saying something that tickles the ears of the Qumran community who would absolutely adopt this psalm for reflecting their super-duper Pelagian ideas. Remember, the Qumran community believe that you don't have free will at all because nothing happens without God deciding that it happens, but at the same time, you should use that same free will that you don't have to become super duper perfect and do everything to earn your way to salvation. They didn't care that it was inconsistent. And a little bit of this psalm lends itself to their theology. In addition to some of the other stuff we're going to see later on with their more mystical Bible fanfic-y type stuff, um, personifying wisdom is something they're going to want to add and bring up, maybe not as a real personification, but as a real person. We continue on here with Syriac Psalm number 3, or Psalm 155. O Lord, I have called to thee, hear me. I have spread out my hands toward thy holy dwelling place. Turn thine ear and grant me my request, and do not withhold my plea from me. Construct my soul, and do not cast it away, and do not leave it alone before the wicked. May the true judge turn away from me the rewards of evil. Lord, do not judge me according to my sins, for no living man is righteous before thee. Lord, cause me to understand thy law, and teach me thy judgments. And the multitude shall hear of thy deeds, and people shall honor thy glory. Remember me, and forget me not, and bring me not to unbearable hardships. Put away from me the sin of my youth, and my, may my sins not be remembered against me. Lord, cleanse me from the evil plague, and let it not return to me. Dry up its roots within me, and permit not its leaves to flourish in me. Lord, thou art glory, therefore my plea is fulfilled before thee. To whom shall I cry, so that he will grant it to me? What more can the power of the sons of men do? From before thee, O Lord, comes my trust. I cried to the Lord, and he answered me. He healed the brokenness of my heart. I was sleepy, and I slept. I dreamt, and also I awoke. Lord, thou didst support me when my heart was stricken, and I called upon the Lord my Savior. Now I will see their shame. I have relied on thee, and I will not be ashamed. Render glory forever and ever. 
Redeem Israel, thy pious one, O Lord, and the house of Jacob, thine elect. Not really a bad psalm. It's got some terse language, and it does come from a later period in history when the book of Maccabees claims there was no prophet in the land, and since you need either a prophet or an apostle to write Bible-inspired and errant word of God, Protestants are going to consider this scripture. Is it more theologically sound than stuff we've seen thus far? Absolutely, and good on them for it. It's better than anything we've heard from the Qumran community with their Thanksgiving hymns. But it does have a bit of the tenor that Qumran is going for in the Thanksgiving hymns. I am broken, I need plants, I need constructing, I need your forgiveness, and I want to be righteous, please help me. That's something that, understandably, they would be going after. Now, here's one that's just called Prayer for Deliverance. It's in some collections here, and Qumran scooped it up. For no worm thanks thee, nor a maggot recounts thy loving kindness. Only the living thank thee. All they whose feet totter thank thee, when thou makest known to them thy loving kindness, and causest them to understand thy righteousness. For the soul of all the living is in thy hand, thou hast given breath to all flesh. O Lord, do towards us according to thy goodness, according to the greatness of thy mercies, and according to the greatness of thy righteous deeds. The Lord listens to the voice of all who love his name, and does not permit his loving kindness to depart from them. Blessed be the Lord, doer of righteous deeds, who crowns his pious ones with loving kindness and mercies. My soul shouts to praise thy name, to praise with jubilation thy mercies. To announce thy faithfulness, there is no limit to thy praises. I belonged to death because of my sins, and my iniquities had sold me to Sheol. But thou didst save me, O Lord, according to the greatness of thy mercies, according to the greatness of thy righteous deeds. I, too, have loved thy name, and have taken refuge in thy shadow. When I remember thy power, my heart is strengthened, and I rely on thy mercies. Forgive my sins, O Lord, and purify me of my iniquity. Grant me a spirit of faithfulness and knowledge. Let me not be dishonored and ruined. Let not Belial dominate me, nor an unclean spirit. Let pain and the evil inclination not possess my bones. For thou, O Lord, art my praise, and I hope in thee every day. My brethren rejoice with me, and the house of my father is astounded by thy graciousness. Dot, dot, dot. Forever I will rejoice in thee. Again, Another psalm in their collection that is way more theologically sound, but it uses the uh, Greek era kind of language that these guys are looking for, namely with a reference to Belial. I almost wonder if there was some sort of traveling salesman or a, uh, a scribe trying to get rid of his scrolls for people to read and stuff like that. And they were like, hmm, which ones do you got? Oh, you have Joel, you have Exodus. That's good, I guess. Um, ooh, this one says Belial. I'm going to take it. <laughs> 30 shekels for the whole scroll. Give me all these apocryphal psalms. And now we get to the apostrophe of Zion, or I like to say apostrophe. The apostrophe of Zion. I will remember you, O Zion, for a blessing. With all my might, I love you. Your memory is to be blessed forever. Your hope is great, O Zion. Peace and your awaited salvation will come. Generation after generation shall dwell in you, and generations of the pious shall be your ornament. They who desire the day of your salvation shall rejoice in the greatness of your glory. They shall be suckled on the fullness of your glory. <clears throat> okay. 
and in your beautiful streets they shall make tinkling sounds. <laughs> you shall remember the pious deeds of your prophets, and shall glorify yourself in the deeds of your pious ones. Cleanse violence from your midst, lying and iniquity, may they be cut off from you. Your sons shall rejoice within you, and your cherished ones shall be joined to you. How much they have hoped in your salvation, and how much your perfect ones have mourned for you. Your hope, O Zion, shall not perish, and your expectation will not be forgotten. Is there a just man who has perished? Is there a man who has escaped his iniquity? Man is tried according to his way, each is repaid according to his deeds. Your oppressors shall be cut off from around you, O Zion, and all who hate you shall be dispersed. Your praise is pleasing, O Zion, it rises up in all the world. Many times I will remember you for a blessing, I will bless you with all my heart. You shall attain to eternal righteousness, and shall receive blessings from the noble. Take the vision which speaks of you, and the dreams of the prophets requested for you. Be exalted and increase, O Zion. Praise the Most High, your Redeemer. May my soul rejoice in your glory. Now, given that this is not a psalm to God in the slightest, this is talking about a city, and given this verse here, you shall attain to eternal righteousness, attain to earn Get yourself there through your nice hard work and being a very good boy, Mr. City. Um, we, as Christians, aren't going to look at this as a legitimate psalm here. Not a part of scripture. But it's that same stuff that the Qumran community is going to like. Now, I'm sure they didn't look at the words that talk about suckling and tinkling here and decide that that was super important to them. But, you know, it was a part of the collection. Here is him to the creator. The Lord is great and holy, the most holy for generation after generation. Majesty goes before him and after him abundance of many waters. Loving kindness and truth are about his face. Truth and judgment and righteousness are the pedestal of his throne. He divides light from obscurity. He establishes the dawn by the knowledge of his heart. When all his angels saw it, they sang, for he showed them that which they had not known. He crowns the mountains with fruit, with good food for all the living. Blessed be the master of the earth with his power, who establishes the world by his wisdom. By his understanding he stretched out the heaven and brought forth wind from his stores. He made lightnings for the rain and raised mist from the end of the earth. Okay, again, a obviously a later psalm, not something written by anybody who would be qualified nor anointed to write Holy Scripture, but, you know, not a, not a bad song in and of itself, right? And then finally here we have an account of David's poems. David, son of Jesse, was wise and brilliant like the light of the sun. He was a scribe, intelligent and perfect in all his ways before God and men. Tetragrammaton, they put the tetragrammaton here, gave him an intelligent and brilliant spirit, and he wrote 3,600 psalms and 364 psalms to sing before the altar for the daily perpetual sacrifice for all the days of the year, and 52 songs for the Sabbath offerings, and 30 songs for the new moons, and feast days and for the Day of Atonement. In all, the songs which he uttered were 446, and four songs to make music on behalf of those stricken by evil spirits. In all, there were 4,050. All these he uttered through prophecy, which was given him from before the Most High. Of course, they want to keep this in the Qumran community's collection because that gives a justification 
for the stuff that they're collecting, the apocryphal psalms that we would naturally reject. I'm not sure that David really wrote that many psalms, but if he did, we got to keep the ones that God said were scripture. These guys, however, are going to look at this and go, hmm, this puts a justification on everything we're collecting in our songs, because if he wrote 4,050 tracks here, maybe we can use that and say anything we have in our collection. Can't argue with it, pal, because David wrote it. And so we go to the second section of the Apocryphal Psalms, a different collection. It's very small here and more fragmentary. Dot, dot, dot. Congregation, and they shall praise the name of the Lord, for he has come to judge every action to remove the wicked from the earth, so that the sons of iniquity shall not be found. The heavens shall give their due, and there shall be no dot 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 within their boundaries. And the earth shall give its fruit in its time, and its product shall not fail. The fruit trees shall dot 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 of its vineyards, and its dot 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 shall not lie. The poor shall eat, and the God-fearers shall be sated. Dot 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 dot. Dot, dot, dot. Then heaven and earth shall exult together. Let all the stars of the evening twilight exult. Rejoice, Judah, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and be glad with gladness. Celebrate your feasts and pay your vows, for there is no belly owl in your midst. Raise your hand and fortify your right hand. Behold, the enemy shall perish, and all the workers of iniquity shall be dispersed. But thou, O Lord, art forever. Thy glory shall be forever and ever. Hallelujah. We cannot forget that the Qumran community was a millenarian type of community. They believed in Kiliasm. They believed in a kind of post-end times earthly kingdom where all the cool stuff they want is here. Now, being an amillennialist, I hold that Christ says his kingdom is not of this earth, and I take him at his word. So I don't have any common cause here with the Qumran community. But... Expect this sort of thing to keep cropping up more and more as we go through the scrolls. All right, third section of the Apocryphal Psalms here. Um, more and more of these are going to reflect not only the Qumran community's theological perspective, but also the theological perspective of adjacent groups, especially when we get to exorcistic Apocryphal Psalms like these. Let's go ahead and start reading. Who has performed these signs and marvels on the earth? The Lord is the one who performed these through his might. He adjures all his angels and all the seed of holiness who stand before him, and makes all the heavens testify in the whole earth against those who sinned against all men, and acted wickedly against every human. And they know the mysteries of his marvels, which they do not dot dot dot. And they fear the Lord dot dot dot, to kill dot 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 the lord dot 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 the lord dot 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 and they will fear that great blow dot 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 the lord will strike you with a great blow for your destruction and in his anger he will send against you a mighty angels who execute all his decisions who will be without mercy on you dot 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 against all these who will take you down to the great abyss and to the nethermost hell dot 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 darken the great abyss dot 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 no more on the earth dot 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 forever and dot 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 by the curse of abaddon the bottom of hell dot 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 the furious anger of the lord dot 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 raphael healed them amen amen selah of david an incantation in the name of the lord 
Call any time on heaven, for he will come to you in the night, and you will say to him, Who are you, one born of man, and of the seed of the holy ones? Your face is the face of inanity, and your horns are horns of dream. You are darkness and not light, injustice and not righteousness. The prince of the host, the Lord, will send you down to the lowest hell, and will close the gates of bronze, through which no light passes, and the sun which rises on the righteous will not enlighten you, dot, dot, dot. And you will say, dot, dot, dot. To David, on words of incantation, cry out all the time in the name of the Lord towards heaven when Belial comes to you, and say to him, Who are you? Be afraid of man and of the seed of the holy ones. Your face is a face of nothing, and your horns are horns of dream. You are darkness and not light, injustice and not righteousness. The prince of the host is against you. The Lord will cast you to the nethermost hell, closed by bronze gates through which no light shall pass. Nor shall shine there the light of the sun which will rise over the righteous to illumine his face. And you will say, Is there not an angel with the righteous when judgment comes for Satan, for he caused them evil? And the Spirit of truth will save him from darkness, because righteousness is for him. Dot, dot, dot. Forever all the son of Belial. Amen, amen, Selah. You know, I've said before that Qumran was all about the law of God. They were all about Torah and stuff like that. Except for, you know, just sometimes they liked employing magic charms. And sometimes they liked doing incantations for their exorcism rituals. Uh, the funny thing here is, if you actually read up on ceremonial magic, the actual, like, Renaissance magic and stuff like that that people used to do, the Key of Solomon, please don't read the Key of Solomon. I don't want to introduce that temptation into your life, but I've read it. I've read the Key of Solomon, I've looked over the Goetia and everything like that. Ritual magic involves calling upon something that is not God to change how things are. And this individual here who wrote this apocryphal psalm here, which isn't really a psalm, this is a magic spell, says, Raphael healed them. Amen, amen, Selah. That's primitive ceremonial magic for you. And in addition to that, we also see here an incantation supposedly from David. Now, in the Renaissance, it was popular to claim that Abraham, or Abramelin the Sage, or Solomon, with the Ars Goetia and stuff like that, that those guys were the ones writing these grimoires, which I guess made it okay to do forbidden magic. Because, I mean, after all, if a saint did it, and, you know, this book says a saint did it, therefore it's okay. Qumran is doing the same thing. Or whoever the heck they got this from is saying that that's okay. Because, after all, I said David wrote this incantation here where I'm addressing demons and insulting them and talking about um, fantastical descriptions of the lowest hell for them and everything. So uh, when we need to do an exorcism, that's, that's perfectly fine, right? Of course not. As we see in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva, they're this exorcism family, traveling exorcists. They try to do that same kind of idea. Let's use somebody else that isn't God and their authority in order to cast out demons. They thought Jesus was some sort of powerful angel or super special guy, so they use his name instead of the actual name of Christ because they didn't worship Christ. And while the apostles could cast out demons just in the name of Jesus, these guys were trying to use Jesus and Paul to cast out demons the same way the Qumran guys would. And it doesn't work on the demons. Surprise, surprise. 
they get their butts kicked. So this is Qumran, again, doing magic, flirting with magic, because of course when you're a desperate community that just wants anything, anything to be different than the Romans ruling and a bunch of apostate weirdos holding the priesthood, of course you're going to dabble with things that you shouldn't dabble with and no human being should dabble with. But that's the apocryphal stuff, and it's pretty obvious why they would adopt the apocryphal psalms that they did, that they would collect these. But let's go to the non-canonical psalms. Now, an apocryphal psalm might be accepted by some community as canonical, right? We see that with a whole lot of uh, denominations kind of arguing about whether one psalm or the song of Manasseh or one aspect of the apocrypha, maybe Maccabees would be accepted as scripture. Nobody accepts these. They probably come straight from Qumran and they are so fragmentary that it's your lucky day. You're not going to have to hear me say dot, dot, dot a million times. I'm just going to read this and skip over the dot, 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 so you don't hear nothing but dot, dot, dot. So, fragment one. Jerusalem, that is the city chosen by the Lord from everlasting to everlasting, the holy ones, for the name of the Lord is called on her, and his glory is seen on Jerusalem and Zion, who will utter the name of the Lord, who makes all his praises heard. The Lord remembered him in his favor and visited him, that he might show him the prosperity of his chosen ones, making him rejoice in the gladness of his nation. And he made for you a man who, for he is the one whose words they kept, which are all for the sons of Israel. Your hand will not save you, for the strength of your God does good. And those filled with wicked hatred, how long will you delight to do evil? Vakat, Psalm of Obadiah, God, truth is in it, and his loving kindness. Don't you just love that part of the Bible where Obadiah says, I use my psalm. I'm Obadiah. All right, I'm going to keep going with the psalm. <laughs> like, okay, dude, this is obviously pseudepigrapha here. Let's keep going, though, to fragment two. Mountains and hills, all who are founded on it will shake, and they will cry to the Lord in their distress from their oppression. He will deliver them, for the Lord is gracious to the pious, to the man. Next fragmentary collection, number one. His wisdom I have declared, and I will meditate on his marvel, and it will become my teacher, judgment of my mouth. And to the simple they will understand, and to the senseless and they will know, O Lord, how mighty marvels. He made heaven and earth in his days, and by his word the riverbeds he, night and stars and constellations, and he caused them to shine, every tree and every fruit of the vineyard and every produce of the fields, and according to his words, all mankind, and by his spirit, he established them to have dominion over all this, over the ground and all its produce, from new moon to new moon, from festival to festival, from day to day, to eat its fruits, fruit of, and birds, and all that belongs to them, to eat the best of everything, and also in them, and all his hosts, and his angels, to serve man and to minister to him. Okay, we keep going though, because now it skips all the way to fragment 15. I think the other ones are so illegible that you can't really get anything out of them. They probably tried. They probably gave a good old college try to uh, translate these, but it's so smudged, torn, ripped, burned, etc. that we get all the way to fragment 15, which says, Thou wilt turn my heart 
Turn to me and take pity on me. Give thy strength to thy servant and save the son of thy handmaid. Show me a sign of thy favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because thou, my God, hast helped me. And I will prepare a sacrifice for thee, my God. Thou dost rule the raging of the sea. Thou stillest its waves. Thou didst crush Rahab like a carcass. Thou didst scatter thine enemies with thy mighty arm. The world and all that is in it, thou hast founded them. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong as thy hand. High thy right hand. For who in the skies can be compared to thee, my God? And who among the sons of gods, and in all the counsel of the holy ones? For thou art the glory of its majesty. As for me, thine anointed one, I have understood. I will make thee known, for thou hast made me know. I will have insight, for thou hast given me insight. For on thy name, my God, we shall call. And we shall wait for thy salvation, and they will put it on like a garment and like a dress. And that's it for fragment 15, but keep in mind, they're starting to bring up more of the uh, kind of henotheism here, their incipient belief that it's okay to do magic spells, and it's okay to believe in uh, other gods that you're going to chill with after God comes and kills everybody that isn't like you. We continue on to fragment 17. In splendor thou wilt look on Judah, and my God thou wilt swallow them up, and fire will devour them. That's it for fragment 17. We skipped fragment 16 because it wasn't even there. Fragment 24, skipping again. <clears throat> Psalm of the man of God. Lord God, he has redeemed Judah from all distress and from Ephraim generation. Those who have passed his test will praise him and say, Arise, O God. Thy name is my salvation. My rock, my fortress, and my refuge is my God. On the day of... I will call on the Lord, and he will answer me, my help, those who hate me. And he will say, My cry before him comes to his ears. From his temple he will hear my voice. And the earth will reel and rock, and the foundations of the mountains tremble. For he is angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils. And obviously that last line there being a reference to Psalm 18, I believe, verses 7 through 9. It's, a, it's very funny that they believe you're going to be able to push God around and say, Arise, oh my God! My cry comes to your ears and you do what I say! God! <laughs> okay, dude. Um, fragment 31, it skips again. They didn't take very good care of their own psalms that they added to their Bible. In the net which they have concealed, I will sing to, I will meditate over thy wonders, for, to, before thee, Thou dost save me and lift me up from the tents of death, before all, all its ways come to, in a holy place, Selah Vakat, prayer of King of Judah. Hear, O my God, I will recount before those who fear thee, who can understand thy thoughts? For my oppressors have increased before thee, thou hast known them, and thou hast subdued the enemies of my soul before thine eyes, for I will live. And thou shalt not conceal my iniquity to those with understanding. Thou shalt slay them, the enemies, O God of my salvation. The days of my existence are treasured up. What can a man say but here I am? And how dost thou deliver to the sword those who wait for me? Those who say, On the day of wrath. They have woven a crown for my head. For their glory is a splendid pillar. From the book of life, those who frighten me will be cut off. And my enemies will finish. A song in Thanksgiving. You know, they did a, uh, a study once about the coherency of scriptures compared with all religions, right? And they found that, you know, Hindu scriptures have a, a low coherency rate, which explains the 
even greater religious diversity among Hindus than there is Christians. You know, we, we all split into denominations, sure, but there are as many Hinduisms as there are Hindus. You know, meanwhile, things like the Tibetan Book of the Dead have some issues in comprehension and cohesion, uh, consistency in your ability to understand them, but holy Christian scripture is incredibly concise, consistent, cohesive, and more easily understandable. There are some hard passages here. But when you get to these here, these psalms, I mean, goodness gracious, even if it wasn't fragmentary, it would take a, a very, very talented mind to understand maybe even 10% of what they're getting at. But we move on. Let's see if maybe they improve. So from fragment 33, Rise above the heavens, O Lord, and my God, and let us glory in thy might, for thy wonders are inscrutable. Thou shalt place me, and thy chastisement will be my joy everlasting and to extol thee for my sins have become too many for me but thou my god shalt send thy spirit and thy mercy to the son of thy handmaid and thy loving kindness to the servant who is near thee i will exult and rejoice in thee before those who fear thee for thou shalt judge thy servants in thy righteousness and according to thy loving kindness to save to thee selah vakat prayer of manasseh king of judah when the king of assyria jailed him my God, my salvation is near in thine eyes. I wait for thy delivering presence, and I feel faint before thee because of my sin. For thou hast enlarged thy mercies, and I have multiplied guilt, and thus, from eternal joy, and my soul shall not see goodness. He has lifted me up on high above a nation, and I did not remember thee in thy place of holiness. I did not serve thee. Maybe you've read up on the Song of Manasseh. Maybe you think, wait a second, these are supposed to be non-canonical psalms, but there are a couple churches out there that consider the Song of Manasseh to be part of the Bible. Um, how come this is in the non-canonical psalms section? Well, let me tell you something. First off, I do believe that Manasseh wrote the Song of Manasseh. It reflects a theological ignorance that a man who just converted or returned to the faith would write. However, the lyrics that you just heard regarding the prayer of Manasseh, um, those are not actually in the prayer of Manasseh. I have open here on Bible Gateway, somebody actually translated the prayer of Manasseh from the Syriac and from Hebrew here. Let's look at the full text. Lord Almighty, God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their righteous children, you made heaven and earth with all their beauty. You set limits for the sea by speaking your command. You closed the bottomless pit and sealed it by your powerful and glorious name. All things fear you and tremble in your presence because no one can endure the brightness of your glory. No one can resist the fury of your threat against sinners. But your promised mercies are beyond measure and imagination because you are the highest, Lord, kind, patient, and merciful, and you feel sorry over human troubles. You, Lord, according to your gentle grace, promised forgiveness to those who are sorry for their sins. In your great mercy, you allowed sinners to turn from their sins and find salvation. Therefore, Lord, God of those who do what is right, you didn't offer Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who didn't sin against you, a chance to change their hearts and lives. But you offer me, the sinner, the chance to change my heart and life, because my sins outnumbered the grains of sand by the sea. My sins are many, Lord, they are many. I am not worthy to look up to gaze into heaven because of my many sins." 
Now, Lord, I suffer justly. I deserve the troubles I encounter. Already I'm caught in a trap. I'm held down by iron chains so that I can't lift up my head because of my sins. There's no relief for me because I made you angry, doing wrong in front of your face, setting up false gods and committing offenses. Now I bow down before you from deep within my heart, begging for your kindness. I have sinned, Lord, I have sinned, and I know the laws I have broken. I'm praying, begging you, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Don't destroy me along with my sins. Don't keep my bad deeds in your memory forever. Don't sentence me to the earth's depths, for you, Lord, are the God of those who turn from their sins. In me you'll show how kind you are, though I am not worthy. You'll save me according to your great mercy. I will praise you continuously all the days of my life because all of heaven's forces praise you and the glory is yours forever and always. Amen. So, that's the actual text of the Song of Manasseh. And again, I do believe King Manasseh actually wrote it. Does that sound like what we just heard. Let's go ahead and reread this section that claims to be the prayer of Manasseh, king of Judah, when the king of Assyria jailed him. My God, my salvation is near in thine eyes. I wait for thy delivering presence, and I feel faint before thee because of my sin. For thou hast enlarged thy mercies, and I have multiplied guilt, and thus from eternal joy, and my soul shall not see goodness. He has lifted me up on high above a nation, and I did not remember thee in thy place of holiness. I did not serve thee. Huh. Very interesting. They use words that Manasseh didn't write down. So it sounds to me just a little bit like they did a whole heckin' pseudopigrapha here, didn't they? That's ugly. Because even if they didn't consider Manasseh's prayer to be scripture in the original form, here they are trying to rewrite it, I guess? Putting in words that Manasseh didn't write. Hmm. Well, okay. Okay, Qumran, you do you. So we move on to fragment number 45. I will make understand. I fear thee and will cleanse myself of abominations known to me. I give my soul to be humbled before thee. They have multiplied sin and they plot against me to imprison me. But I have trusted thee. And do not judge me, my God. Those who conspire against me, let loose their lying tongue. Fragment 46. Fools! Thy precepts and thy splendor and thy beauty, and like clouds they spread over the face of the earth, they will be scattered greatly until man will not be strong and will not rise, and thou hast tested all, and the elect, like offerings, thou wilt purify before thee, but the hated ones thou wilt reject like impurity, and a stormy wind their practice. Those who fear thee shall be before thee always, their horns are horns made of iron to gore many, and they will gore. And thou wilt make their hoofs bronze, but sinners like dung shall be trampled upon the ground. I love, I love, I love, love, love how these guys almost take that prosperity gospel like Jim Baker idea that you can just point at God, snap your fingers and go, Hey, chop, chop, do what I want. Who do these guys think they are? <laughs> Here's fragment 69, Lamau. When he saw that the peoples of the land behaved abominably, all the land turned wholly to impure uncleanness, and from the beginning marvelously, he consulted his heart to destroy them from the land and make on it a holy people. In you he gave you, through his spirit, prophets to instruct and teach you. Your God descended from heaven and spoke to you to instruct you and bring you back from the works of the inhabitants of the land. Precepts, laws, and commandments he established through a covenant by the hand of Moses. Dwelt on the land, 
then it will be cleansed, and to consider you whether you will be his. And if not, and to breach the covenant which he made with you, and to become a stranger and not, over wickedness, and to change the words of his mouth. What that means, whatever they're trying to get at there, it's uh, very confusing. Fragments 76 and 77 go together. The congregation of the Holy of Holies, and the lot of the King of Kings, my words, and they will consider the wisdom which is issued from my mouth. <laughs> and a true judge and faithful witness, is there strength in you to answer him? To hear. Who among you will answer and stand up against his rebuke? For you have many judges and countless hostile witnesses, but the Lord will sit in judgment against you, judging truly and without injustice. His spirits to pronounce on you true judgments. Is there understanding for you to learn? Lord of lords, mighty and marvelous, and none is like him. He has chosen you instead of powerful peoples, and great nations to be his people to rule over all, heaven and earth, and as the highest above all the nations of the earth. Okay. Fragmentary praise, I guess. So, we're going to get to a bit of fragmentary scripture coming up soon and next week, and we're going to get over their offering stuff, which is very, very weird. It's their kind of prose songs kind of like how uh, pagan vikings had like the poetic eddas and then the prose eddas these are prose things for um burnt offerings very interesting can't wait to get to it next week but right now um let's talk about the relationship between qumran and scripture because what'll happen is you'll find yourself on apologetics websites or you'll find yourself hearing something from the Dead Sea Scrolls Cottage Industry, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls Inc. Apologetics guys like to point to the Dead Sea Scrolls and go, look at these great scrolls we got. Look at how accurate they were to the Old Testament as we have it today. And some of it even reflects the Septuagint. Isn't that great? Well, sure, but we can't ignore the gigantic, massive, super mammoth elephant in the room that these people were a bunch of weirdos, that this is the Ur cult from which later cults seem to all have taken their cues. We can't forget their school shooter theology. We can't forget the extremes of heresy that they mishmashed together hoping nobody would notice. If any ministry wants to bring up the Dead Sea Scrolls, they should say, yeah, but don't actually go out of your way to believe what the Dead Sea Scrolls Qumran community actually believed. Meanwhile, at the same rate, there's the cottage industry. Now, here's how this goes. People like Barbara Thiering or uh, other heads on sticks will try to say that the Dead Sea Scrolls, that community, they were the real guardians of the faith, you see, and they had the real inside track on Judaism and Christianity. And you really got to listen to them because, after all, this is super secret, esoteric knowledge that the church hid. And then what they'll do is they'll try to sell books or magazine articles telling you what the Dead Sea Scrolls community believed. Half the time, they're just making it up. I've never saw Barbara Thiering or any of these other weirdos actually detail what the Dead Sea Scrolls really say. They just make it up so that they can then springboard from there to deconstruct Christianity and harm your faith. So far as the Dead Sea Scrolls actually touch on scripture, we just have to realize that these people were um, terrible. And you shouldn't trust whatever they say about the Bible because they had a habit of adding to the Bible. Some of their manuscripts are valuable to us because they do demonstrate a legitimate scribal tradition. But... 
there are other sources that demonstrate that. There's the whole Septuagint thing that was around even a hundred years before the Qumran community was established. So we really don't need these people to verify this much. We can say that they sucked and leave it at that. Amen and amen.